This episode of Melvin Meets His Match contains strong language and adult themes. Hello, I'm Melvin O'Doom. Now, most of you know me as a radio and TV presenter where I've interviewed some of the biggest names in music and film. But you may not be as familiar with my not-so-successful dating career. Well, that's all about to change as I share the highs and lows of my love life in my own podcast, Melvin Meets His Match, brought to you by Tinder. I've invited some of my oldest and newest celebrity friends to help me improve my dating game, and something tells me they're not going to hold back. So let's not hang around, let's get into it. Okay, so I am really excited for this week's episode of the podcast because my guest this week is a record-breaking author, illustrator, social activist, and hip podcaster covering topics like feminism, body image, sex, and relationships. So I thought she'd be the perfect person to speak to me about my own love life. Florence Gibbon, welcome. (laughs) to the podcast how you did hi melvin hey i'm amazing thank you how are you oh i'm blessed i'm really really good now it sounds like i love that intro it was a big intro right i love the intro yeah but you're like the busiest woman out there right now what are you doing at the moment so i just finished writing my well no i just finished uh it's gone to print now, my novel, Girl Crush. I finished writing it at the beginning of the year and it's gone to print now, which is super exciting, which comes out in August. And I'm currently planning season two of my own podcast as well, which is called Exactly As We Just Finished Season One. And I'm really excited about it. We're excited as well. We're very excited. Now, um, obviously, this podcast is all about dating. And I think you're becoming a lot more well-known now out there to the public eye. So I want to find out whether dating for you has become a little bit more difficult now that people know who you are. Like, have you ever been in a situation where you've been on a date and your date wants to speak to you about your podcast and stuff that you've spoken about online? Does that ever happen to you? Yes. So I'll be telling a story and I'll be like, oh yeah, when you went to Mallorca in, in 2019. And then I'll be like, what? <laughs> I, just made that up. I just made that, I made that date up. But like it's been it's been stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, how did you know that? And they're like, oh, I think I think I do follow you on Instagram, by the way. And it's like, oh, okay, now <laughs> now's the time when you're gonna say. Um, and I think there are levels of comfort that I have with it. I think I don't expect, um, particularly if someone's interested in feminism or they have a friend who's read my book or uh, they live in London and we have similar interests. I think you know I'm, I'm not going to be weird about it if someone does know who I am. Um, but that, but there's levels to it, you know. That there's there's a difference between someone being like, "Oh yeah, I've heard about your books." I think I think it's really cool and being upfront with it. And then there's going back to have sex with a girl and seeing my prints on her wall. <laughs> what has that happened before? No. Okay, it's yet to come. <laughs> so for me, there's two things that have happened to me. Two kind of like minor situations. So first of all, there's been times when I've gone to like a bar or something. And I might get a smile from someone and I can't, I kind of don't know if someone's like, I recognize Melvin from off the telly or they might be slightly interested in me. So you, you yes! kind of have that awkward situation. You know what I'm talking about? That awkward situation yes! where you don't know if someone fancies you or if they're just being really polite and they recognize you. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, all the time, all the time. And 
I, um, I'm bisexual, but I mostly date women. And so it's even more confusing because women are so bloody wonderful to each other anyway. It's like, I could be in the girl's toilet and a girl's like, wow, I really love your outfit. And I'm like, is she gay? Or does she just think that she likes my outfit? Um, and there's, there's, there's so many ways of being confused. And, and I literally journal about it all the time. It's like, is this girl looking at me because she thinks I'm cute? Because she recognized me from Instagram? Um... Does she, has she read my book? Does she, what, what, what's the vibe here? And, um, or is it none of the above? And she, I don't, I have no idea. Um, and it can, it can be very confusing. Yeah. So, so how do you navigate that, Florence? So through trial and error, I think I've been in the public eye for about three to four years now. I first started using dating apps. As soon as I came out, I also knew, I, I feel like I also manifested my success through this. I was like, I'm going to be so fucking big one day, I won't be able to use dating apps. (laughs) So I went absolutely mad on Tinder because I knew I wouldn't be able to one day. So I was like, you know what? I'm newly single. I'm just going to go mad on them. And then I did use Tinder a lot. I used Tinder. I used Hinge. I used all of these dating apps and rinsed them all, went on loads of dates. I'd also just come out as bisexual as well. So I was making up for all of this lost time where I hadn't been able to explore my sexuality. And yeah, that's when I ended up in some interesting situations with people or like you go back to someone's house for a hookup and their flatmates like, what the fuck are you doing in my kitchen? (laughs) And it's like, there's so many funny situations that you end up in that I didn't think would ever be a part of my... And it's such a niche experience that you can only ever really talk about it to other people who understand that way of life. You can't, like, write a book about how to handle dating culture as a person who's recognized... Like, it's just so fucking niche. So you just have to, like, talk to people who ex- who also experience that kind of stuff. But yeah, but, so that's... At the beginning, I just went on dating apps. Now, I feel like my gut, my gut intuition is very good at detecting whether someone wants to be... Uh, in my life because they like floss the person or because they want that it's some opportunistic thing or because they want to date me just to say they've dated me that there's lots of interesting situations that you can end up in and it's just through trial and error and kind of like the shaping of my experiences helped me form my character discernment and it's been a trial and error process you've just made me want to ask you so many questions then so first of all can you use dating apps now that you are recognized and you're well known first question no I've dated quite a lot of people over the past four years most of them were through uh mutual friends or through Instagram Instagram is where I met a lot of people also hinge I used hinge a lot Instagram is an underrated dating app it is people don't realize it's also a dating app but it's a great place to meet people I think it is it's also very confusing because it's like what what do the interactions with you mean also it's such an intimidating thing for me to slide into someone's dms because I have such a huge internet presence they probably think it's a joke like the amount of times (laughs) where I've like it's happened Melvin it's happened I'll slide into (laughs) someone's dms and they're like what (laughs) what's going on they don't they don't understand it so you've slid into people's dms before yeah wow it's very rare that a woman will slide into my my DMs. Mm, it's very but this rare. is this this is the thing. I date other women, and this is the thing. I feel like when 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 you're in a queer dating situation, I feel like there are no rules. So obviously, I feel like in heterosexual dating, there's this rule that like the man must make the first move, or that there's and I feel like a lot of women don't want to approach men in that way. Like I said, I'm bisexual. I feel that same way about men. So I would still be afraid to approach a man because of what he would feel and, and, and the, um, rather the, 
the dynamic that that sets it up for. Like, I would be too, like, what's the deal here? Also, there's assuming that men receive a lot of attention and women not wanting to be one of those people who just is seen like chasing after a man. There's so many, but when you date other women, it's almost like because there's no rule book for how to date girls growing up, you kind of get to scrap all of those roles and just be yourself, which I find very freeing. And I don't think that that should be the way that women approach dating men that they should hold back but it is just the way like I speak to my my straight friends all the time about it and they're too afraid to message men because they don't want to appear needy or desperate you're listening to Melvin meets his match brought to you by vibes on tinder join the live Q&A in-app and add the answers to your profile to find out who you vibe with now the other thing you mentioned was you found that there's been situations where partners have dated you because if they just want to say they've dated you. Yes. How how often has that happened? And and how how do you work that out as well? It's it's very obvious to me. It's when someone starts to ask for favors or they after a couple of dates they start to tag me in Instagram stories. Um, I don't know you. This is supposed to be a private process of getting to know each other and you're adding me on your Instagram story with our inside jokes. Like it's, I know, and and it just, it gives me the ick instantly. And I can tell when someone, it's weird to date other people when your name is used as this kind of social currency. And I don't even feel that way about myself. I'm just trying to date and have fun. And then suddenly I'm a commodity or you feel a bit like an accessory rather than a person. But this this is only, I've also had incredible experiences with dating and I don't want to paint it as this kind of extremely sad and lonely thing. But what I think a lot of people assume from the outside looking in on successful people is that they have everything and they have an abundance of options. But when you have standards and a lot of people wanting something from you and maybe not wanting to add to your life, it just becomes the more barriers have to be placed around your energy and your time. And so many thoughts and questions go through my head before even deciding to date someone kind of in a weird kind of way it's nice to hear you say that because I've had situations where I remember dating someone and we broke up and it was quite a an abrupt breakup but I started speaking to her friend and her friend said to me Melvin I'm so happy that you guys aren't together because on her birthday she was saying to us how like a a room full of girls that the only reason she dated me was to try and get on red carpets to try and get pictures taken. Yeah, she wanted to get on Getty Images. <laughs> yeah, she just wanted to raise the pro- her own profile. And I I never thought about that until that situation because I, that's not how I, that's not the reason why I date people. That's not how you operate. And this no. is the thing that I do is I assume the way I think is everybody else's default. So if, even when terrible things happen to me, my mind jumps to the justification of it, not that someone did it just because they're an asshole. And I'm always like, there must be a reason why someone did this. There must be some kind of context that I'm missing. And sometimes people do are just leeches. Sometimes people are just opportunistic. And it really hurts to know that someone could do something like that. I feel like I have a very good perception of my success in that I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And it's not something that I view as makes me better than anyone else. I don't think that it makes me separate from anyone else. It's just... I've managed to create things that relate with a massive audience. And that's something that I will never take lightly, that responsibility. And I want to do it for the rest of my life. I want to write books forever. I want to do all this stuff. But I don't view it as something that makes me better than other people or worthy of even being used of for some kind of social currency. So when people do it, when it happened to me for the first time, 
it was shocking. It was really like, wait, what? I didn't even know that that was something someone would want to use me for because I yeah. would never do that. Do you know what the funny thing is? I don't even think I'm that famous. Like if I was, I don't know, Jamie Foxx or something, I'd be like, I'd, I'd understand. But I'm just Melvin from North London. Like you need to aim a bit higher. That's what I mean, Melvin. Like I don't even <laughs> think that I'm someone. And then my friends remind me and they're like, Floss, I'm in rooms where you're not there and I hear what people say about you. And I hear what people... I've had people try to date my friends as a backdoor to becoming friends. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So that, so then all, so then suddenly, actually being in my life, I realise it is... I think on the outside in, again, the perception is that, oh, wow, it must be so amazing um, to be friends with Florence. And it fucking is, right? It fucking is. <laughs> But also, but also, there is a lot of baggage in the, it's a different set of, of, of problems. So you might have a friend who has, um, I don't know, a difficult relationship with their parents and you can't go to their house and that's the issue in the friendship. With me, it's like, you might be in a room with someone who has slagged me off online as my friend. Like, you might, you might go to a gay bar and see someone who has said horrible things about your best friend, me, online, who, do, who they don't even know. Like, it's, it's, and it's, and my friends are so fiercely protective of me. But then, yeah, like I said, they're thinking, is this person, I know that this person likes Floss's work. Do they want to date me because of that? Or it's, yeah, and it's really weird. It's a whole different set of problems. Yeah, you've, you've got some deep ones. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened to me. Yours are intricate, boy. Yeah. I want to talk about the podcast for a moment because you you really deep dive into, you know, sex and relationships and body image. And I want to talk to you about something that I've been thinking about for quite a bit, especially around Love Island season. And that is the the whole idea and the topic around having a type. First of all, what is your idea? Like, what, what are your, your views about having a type? So... I think types are formed by a number of different things. I think our types are informed by how we were raised, by the people we're surrounded by, our celebrity crushes. I think I, I always say you have a blueprint crush. So your first crush in high school or as a celebrity, whatever, when you were younger, I feel repeats a pattern throughout your life and you'll often find different versions of that person. I also think that our own bias and prejudice has a lot to do with our types um, maybe it won't inform a type, but it might inform the kind of people that you're not dating. And I think that you can't escape those filters that come through your mind when you're choosing someone to be attracted to, um, especially when it comes to race and size and height and all of this kind of stuff. It's all to do with messaging and what we're taught to find attractive. I think there's a level of being able to change what you're attracted to and also sadly not. Do you think you can let go of a type if, if it's something that we kind of learn and it's based around the things around us? Do you think you can let go of, of your initial, as you say, crush? Yes and no. I, I Okay, so I, I've dated people where I've gone, wow, I would never have seen myself dating someone like this. But it's not to do with how they look. It's to do with their tastes and things. And it's to do with the kind of person they are. So I had a really bad history of dating not very nice people. And then suddenly... I dated someone who was uh, showing up on time, who was courting me, who was doing all of this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't think that I would actually start to like someone like this. That was me changing my type. So my friends would go, oh, before, like Floss's type is someone who's hot and cold some, and all of this stuff. And then my type changed over time to someone who was reliable because I grew as a person. And in terms of physical preferences, 
I think that can change as well. But I also think that a pattern will repeat itself. I'm not thinking here about physical appearance. I'm thinking about style and culture and the shaping of a person and the type of character that a person is. I think that's something that will stay consistent. I don't really know the answer to that question. I I don't think there is a yes or no, because I think different people have different experiences. It's funny for for me, because I think a type can encompass so many things. I, I think it's to do with your physical and your personality and your your beliefs and all of that stuff. I think it's kind of like an amalgamation of all these different things that that creates your ultimate type. My question to you is because you you did mention that you used to have a type and you've you you've managed to date outside of it. Mm. Do you think it's something worth doing? Do you think you should explore outside of your type, or if that's what you've been tuned into always going back to, you should kind of just stick with it and not try and break the mold? What, what are your views on that? Um, absolutely, explore outside of your type and don't be. For example, if you're date, I've got a friend at the moment who's dating a man, and she 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 gave me a brief description of him, and I spat out my drink because it was so opposite to the kind of guys that she usually dates. And I said, I said, I feel like this is going to go incredibly well for you because he was outside of her type. She'd had no luck in dating for years, dating all the same kinds of guys, and still getting annoyed every single time after after and and you just kind of have to let your friends you have to let them go and you have to be like okay okay this instead of like pushing them to be like do this do that and then she was like so I met this guy and he's this age and he looks like this and he dresses like this and this is his job and I was so excited for her and it's lasted longer than anything ever has done before for her and it's because she broke her type but she had this idea of love that came in a certain package and turns out it's what she wanted, but it, it wasn't what she needed. And not everything you want is going to be good for you. So I think that yeah. definitely changing your type is a really good idea. I've got friends who won't date men unless they're musicians. And I say that's probably the issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, when you have a thing in your head, I won't date someone who is an ex. That's immediately limiting your options for love and to have the most fulfilling fucking relationships of your wildest dreams. See, I think because I don't think I specifically have a type, but there are certain criteria that I need. So, for example, like humor is everything to me. Yes. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. That's it. I have non-negotiables. You have to have a sense of humor and you have to have a juicy bum. I can't work without buttocks. (laughs) I'm an African man. There's certain things that are just in tune that I have to have. I have to have a a bumper or it's not going to work. A juicy bum and a good laugh. Juicy bum and a good laugh. Those are your non-negotiables. That's That's all I'm asking for. I'm a simple man. (laughs) Now, Florence, this is the part of the podcast that I like to call... Moments Dance O'Doom! Now, usually, I talk about my own dating dilemmas or disasters and I get my guest on to talk to me about how they would navigate that situational scenario. But today, we're going to switch up a little bit because I've got like a, a listener problem and want to find out how you would tackle it, all right? Okay. All right, so this is from someone who said, I've been dating a girl for a few weeks now. Uh, we were really into each other and we were really getting on and had great chemistry. However, the first time we spent the night together, it turned out that we weren't so compatible after all. She was really into BDSM, something that I've never tried before. Now, I gave it a go just for her, 
but it really wasn't my thing and I really couldn't get into it properly. Needless to say, everything kind of fizzled out and it didn't go as planned. I'm not too sure if I should have tried harder to get into it because other than that, I really did like her otherwise. So, Florence, what do you think they should have done in this situation? Where they ended this was with it fizzling out. I don't think they should have forced themselves to try harder with BDSM. I don't think this person should have tried to do things they weren't uncomfortable with to please the other person, right? But where I do think something, an effort could have been made is the communication at the end. So where this person said it didn't like it and it fizzled out, that to me sounds like maybe a fancy way of saying ghosting or um, a way of saying we just kind of stopped talking to each other. Sometimes that happens naturally and you can both kind of feel, well, this isn't working and we both, you know, it comes to a natural end. But, But if this person really likes this girl... And the BDSM thing is something that they don't like to do. They know they'll never be into it. Sometimes just communicating that, saying to the person, I'm really into you, but I can't do BDSM. Is that a non-negotiable for you? Is that something that you need in a partner? Perhaps this person wasn't even looking for a partner. I feel like there needs to be more of an effort with the communication if this is someone you'd like to continue to date. Many times in my life, I have closed off things because they didn't meet all of my boxes in my in my checkbox list or whatever and assumed that that person wasn't right for me. If I'd had a conversation with the person to ask them what they wanted, whether this worked for them, almost like a negotiation and just being like, I really like you, but this doesn't work for me. Is this something that you could live without with dating? Are both of these people monogamous, polyamorous? Like, There's so many so much more context that I'd need to this question. But I think a conversation in that situation, if someone wanted to do a fuckload of kinky stuff that I wasn't into, I'd say to them, I want to pleasure you in every way possible, but I cannot do this stuff. Are you dating someone else casually? Like, can you find someone else to do that with? Um, I'm personally actually monogamous, so maybe that wouldn't work for me if I liked the person. I wouldn't want them to be with someone else doing it. But is this a definite view or is this something you're into? Can you watch BDSM porn instead? Like, I don't know. If I really liked someone, I would find a compromise with it. And if that compromise is something that crosses my own boundaries, then I'd just bounce and I'd be like, okay, this doesn't work. Have the best time. And then just kind of walk away. I'm a big slag for communication. I love talking about things. (laughs) I love talking about sex. Um, I love meeting in the middle with people. It makes me so happy. You like to start your podcast with some quick fire questions, right? So I want to end with some quick fire questions. Are you cool? You up for this? Yes, go for it. All right. So what's your biggest personality turnoff? Entitlement. Someone being impatient at the dinner table, perhaps getting frustrated with the waiters, thinking that they are owed better treatment than other people just by existing. And someone not having that warmth, that human warmth. And I didn't realize how important it was to me until I had an experience where it was just cold and it was, I was like, wow, that's my biggest turn off is entitlement. Okay, I like that. What's your biggest turn on? Ambition. Really? Uh, Yeah, I don't care where you are in your career, in your life, in your personal growth. 
as long as there's this sense of self-driven drive, it, it, it makes me feel comfortable in myself knowing that you don't rely on me to be happy. Next question. What is the one thing that no one knows about you yet? I think this is a hard question because I think you're so open. You're such an open book. I am, but not with my personal lives. So I have a very private personal life. If someone had said to me, you are a private person, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gauged that from you because I know the fact that you sat there and you said like Melvin on a date, I would happily speak to my partner about sex mm. on a date. You know, yeah. I always find like, it's a bit, I loved, I obviously love sex. And then sometimes I feel like I, I, I don't want to come across as a bit too, I don't know, sleazy if I'm talking about sex on yeah, a date. Yeah, and it's, but it's different because you're a man. Again, I think a lot of men would be afraid to do that because of the nature of like, even like the stereotype of men just wanting to fuck. I think it would be, I understand why you would be afraid to do that. And again, it's context for everything. Like, I understand why men would be afraid to do that. I don't think it is sleazy. When I say I talk about sex on a date, it depends how the date's going. Like, are we talking about each other's lives and this and that? Or like, do we know that there's this potent sexual energy between us? And I know that we're going to go home and fuck. And I want to know what you're down with and what you're not down with. And then asking someone, what do you like? And then making that, making the date into some kind of foreplay so that the sex is even better. And I think talking about sex in that way can be really amazing. And it, it anticipates what's about to come. And it's like making the night a sense of foreplay. Even if you don't have sex that night, the next time, even better. Florence, I'm taking note right now. You've got, <laughs> you've got some lyrics, girl. You've got lyrics. <laughs> My God, I'm loving all this. All right. Uh, what's the biggest compliment someone could give you that they like my mind and that they think I'm intriguing I like I like compliments on things that I've worked on as opposed to things that are out of my control like how I look what's the one thing that all of us can do today to improve our self-confidence make a promise to yourself every day and keep it even if it's something small like not checking your phone in the morning or making sure that the first five minutes of your day are spent making your bed instead of going into Instagram and knowing what's going on in the world before you even know what's going on with yourself. Do you do that every day? Yes. Every day you make a promise to yourself? Yes, a small promise. And then what, and then what that does, sorry, I didn't link it to self-confidence. What that promise does is it gains this insane level of self-trust and that's what's given me an enormous amount of self-trust and confidence in dating. If I'm like, shit, what if this, what if this person on the date is really bad or they're opportunistic or, or they're a really bad person? I don't care. I trust Floss that she will handle that situation excellently. She'll leave when she needs to because Floss is authentic and I know that that's what Floss does. But it takes years and years and years and years and years to build. Um, but that's what I'd say. Keep a little promise. And I don't mean something enormous. It could just be like, and then also being okay when you can't make the promise and so just saying tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to make this promise. But you have to start off with something small and then build up to the big things. Like I promise to myself that if this person disrespects me on this date, I will leave and I won't see them again because I'm going to believe people when they show me who they are the first time, right? So that's like a big promise if, you're, if your patterns in your dating life are repeatedly dating shit people and you're trying or really trying to like, override your horniness and not make bad decisions on dates because you want to have sex there are small promises that you can keep to yourself so that you don't fear life as much 
and you can step outside your comfort zone because you know that you're going to do what's right. I love that, Floss. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. What was today's promise? Uh, that was my phone in the morning because I didn't keep the promise yesterday. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Because I went straight to my phone to text a date, actually, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> All right. Next question. If you could choose one place to go on a date for the rest of your life, where would it be? Right. Okay. Context. Is this like with the same person or with a different person? Like this is my one date spot. Okay. No, I'm going to say with the same person. With the same person. So one person, one spot for the rest of your life. Okay. I'm going to make it up. It would be a park where it's always sunny. There's a pub garden next door that makes spicy margaritas. (laughs) And everyone, for some reason, is okay with partial nudity. Okay. So if women want to be topless there, they can be topless there. No, of course you haven't been. Hampstead Heath Ladies Pond is um, all women pond where women are allowed to be entirely naked because there's no men around yeah did not know this yeah exactly it's our best kept secret for the girls so it's called Hampstead Heath Ladies Pond and anytime it's funny anytime I'm on a date someone's like where's your favorite place Hampstead Heath Ladies Pond because it feels like a feminist utopia there are older women there are uh mums and their daughters there are fat women there are disabled women there's women of all all shapes sat round the pond partially naked completely naked sunbathing and no one blinks an eye no one's staring and it's probably the most relaxed I've ever felt in my body in my life but do you have the margaritas though no you don't so this is why I'm taking the Hampstead Heath ladies pond putting it next to a pub garden with some cute little tables and chairs (laughs) i love it i love it uh and final question what's the best piece of dating advice you've ever received okay this depends on your default what your default is but mine was worrying about how i was perceived on dates so the best advice i ever received was um ask yourself if you're even into them not if they're into you So I would go on to dates, almost like constantly performing this best version of myself, panicking, panicking, panicking about whether they liked me and not really wondering if I even liked them. Also, this is the other piece of dating advice. So so first one, ask yourself if you even like them or is there just attention making you feel desired and that's why why you think you like them. And second of all is always meet someone in daylight. Maybe not on the first date. (laughs) I love that. Didn't expect that. Okay. Maybe maybe not on the first date, right? Right. You know, you've got your sexy candlelit dinners. We all have a bit of that. But then see them. Actually, a friend told me this. A man told me this the other day. Always meet someone in daylight. Because it's so exposing and it's so vulnerable. Not even just like to look at the person, but in terms of like, it, you're less in an atmosphere where there's like ambiance and there's like a mood that can kind of persuade you that you like someone. And if you're only seeing someone in the nighttime, I feel like that also says a lot about how maybe the person wants to interact with you. So I think a day date actually shows, depending on what you're looking for, right? But if you're looking to like seriously date someone, make sure you arrange a date during the daytime. That is great advice, you know. <laughs> I really I really like that. I think there's a lot of truth in it. Because you're right, it isn't just about the physical. And I think sometimes when you do go to like 
uh, a nice lit kind of like restaurant or you go to a club or something like that, you're you not really like getting anyone. the full person. Yeah, you'd like anyone. Well, I would. You anyway. could like anyone like that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, listen, Florence, it's been a, I mean, I've loved speaking to you. You've got so much flipping knowledge inside your mind. Uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time and good luck with the book as well. Thank you so much. What an amazing guest. I mean, I cannot thank Florence enough for sharing her wisdom on the podcast. Now, this episode has given me so much to think about, but here are a few of my favorite takeaways. Dating outside your type might not be such a bad idea. Sometimes what you want might not be exactly what you need. Make a little promise to yourself every day and keep it. The sense of achievement might help boost your self-confidence. And if you are dating someone new, try dating them in the day. You might see things differently. Coming up next week, it's Amber Rose Gill. Now, Amber, would you say you're a romantic? I can be. It depends. Has to be the right person is what I've realised because I went through my life thinking I wasn't. But then when you date the right person, you can be. You've been listening to Melvin Meets His Match, brought to you by Tinder. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss out. And I'll see you next time. Sink clap.